Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 9, titled Enemy of My Enemy. Oh boy. Oh boy. This episode. Uh, pick it up right where we last left off. Continuing this uh, two-parter that, as I said yesterday, is where I think the season truly kicks off. Where everything truly kicks into high gear. David Robert Jones is back. A lot of stuff happens around that. It's great. This is a really, really fantastic episode, and we'll spend a lot of time diving into the meat of this thing, but before we get into that, we're still, we're navigating an alternate timeline. We got some alternate timeline shenanigans happening here, so we still have to do our favorite segment, Things That Are Different! I can't escape. I can't escape that terrible intro. God damn it. Anyway, so there's a couple of more minor things, but I want to touch upon them. First off, uh, no one at our fringe division has heard of David Robert Jones in this timeline. David Robert Jones, all of his operations up until this point, uh, getting out of prison... Uh, crossing over to the other universe, all of it has gone very much under the radar, has gone very much un- uncovered, gone very much undisturbed. It has just been smooth sailing for David Robert Jones. So there's that. Uh, also, so... When Walter's having his conversation with alternate Elizabeth, which, by the way, is a beautiful scene. More on that later. He mentions that he asked for a sign from God. And that... A sign of forgiveness. And that no such sign came. Now, we in the audience know that that sign was the white tulip. And, of course, we know that uh, time traveler McGee... Uh, back in season two, sort of traveled back in time, put a white tulip note in the mail and sent it to Walter, uh, and that was Walter's sign. So, in this timeline, none of that happened. In this timeline, that wasn't a thing, none of that was a deal, none of that transpired, it just never, ever, ever happened. So he never got that sign of forgiveness. Uh, which is interesting, which is an interesting little nugget. They're, they're getting into the weeds on this one. They are getting into the weeds. Anyway, uh, that is it for today's installment of Things That Are Different. Please, just, why do, why did I commit to this? Why did I commit to that intro? Just, no, just stop it. 
Anyway, so like I said, this episode picks up right where the last one left off. Uh, David Robert Jones is behind the shapeshifters. Uh, Folivia and Lincoln, alternate Lincoln, go to this warehouse where he is, where they trace this call to. And that first meeting with David Robert Jones, holy crap. That scene is insane, and he immediately shows up, he immediately shows off all that, like, effortless menacingness. He shows off all of that terror, shows off all of that imposing nature that made him such a good villain to begin with. Like, immediately you're there, and he has that same, like, disgust to him, like, he has that weird balance between politeness and being disgusting. Like, every word that comes out of his mouth is just another, like, bone-chilling dagger into your spine. Like, it's, the whole thing he does saying, like, uh, I made the human shapeshifters. I suppose I I love every single one of them, 47 so far, and they're all perfect. I suppose this is what it's like to have a child, to be a father. I'm going to kill her now. (laughs) It's just like, see, here's what's creepy about it. You believe it. This is how good of an actor Jared Harris is. You believe that... He actually loves these shapeshifters as children. And you believe it is actually physically hurting him to watch his quote-unquote child die. But he's willing to kill her anyway. Just to, for no reason but to prove a point. By saying, if I can do that to someone I love, imagine what I'll do to someone who I don't care about it's just like it's so it's so creepy it's so this man is terrifying and he's british and he is disturbing to watch and he's british and he is just a disgusting man and he's british (laughs) he is a very british man (laughs) And he makes me terrified of all Brits. <laughs> Apologies to my British friends. Uh, but, like, that scene alone is so brilliant. And then he gets brought in. Peter immediately recognizes him and is like, Oh, God, that is David Robert Jones. And, like, what up until this point has been... This isn't my fight. This isn't my fight. This isn't my fight. This isn't my fight. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Like, I only want to get back to my timeline. I only want to get back to my timeline. I only want to get back to my timeline. The second he sees David Robert Jones, you can kind of see all of that shift to like, oh, crap. (laughs) Like, you can kind of see the reluctant hero mechanisms working in his brain of just like, God damn it, this timeline has to deal with David Robert Jones. God, I gotta do something. I at least gotta tell them who the hell this guy is. And then the event, and David Robert Jones, in his initial quote-unquote interrogation with 
alternate Broyles, who we know is working for him in some capacity. Maybe he's a shapeshifter. We don't know. David Robert Jones is just, like, in his usual command of the situation, saying, like, Earlier today, a shapeshifter posing as Dr. Brandon Fayette was deactivated. Go to his office at the Department of Defense. Unscrew the light fixture and you will find a hard drive. Bring that to me in 12 minutes or people die. And, like, you have that whole thing. Of course, they're going to copy that hard drive. I mean, you know they are. Even David Robert Jones is like, you'll definitely copy that. And then Peter comes in and is like, that's David Robert Jones. I know him. I know what he is. I know what his deal is. And he's like, hey, put me in there. And they put Peter in with David Robert Jones. What happens next? What happens in that scene is electrifying. Every second of this is beautiful. Every second of this is freaking fantastic. Once Peter goes in and, like, immediately this confidence that David Robert Jones has just completely deflates. The second Peter's like, you know, you haven't met me, but I've met you. You know, I know you're not from here because of the scars. Uh, You... Last time I saw you, you were falling apart. They wrapped you up in bandages because you uh, transported out of that German prison. But they must have, man, you must have found a way to heal yourself. What was it? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm interested to see, I'm interested to see what that is. Like, yada, 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 yada. And then Peter, like, describes in detail the moment when... Peter, like, closed a portal on him and cut him in half. And, like, every single word you can see, like, man, David Robert Jones is feeling what we as a viewer feel whenever he's on screen. He feels like that menace. He feels that terror. He feels that discomfort. Like, like, this is just every word Peter says in this sequence is a deflation of his ego, a deflation of this I'm smarter than all of you. I am five steps ahead of where you even think to be. You have no idea my plans. Like, uh, like all of that deflates with every single word Peter says. And Jared Harris, man, he is such a good actor that you see, like, every point on that downward spiral. Every hit to his confidence. Every blow to his ego. Every blow to his... Uh, self-assurance. You see every single one without him even saying a word. It's such a good scene. And then if this wasn't enough, you then get that call from the hospital saying like, hey, uh, can Secretary Bishop hear me? Can David Robert Jones hear me? Like, yep, they can. Just listen. And then, like, they set off this device with this like, weird smoke stuff in this hospital. Uh, like, this woman just closes off the door, traps a bunch of people inside, and you just hear screams and cries of pain on the phone. And, see, here's the thing. And this is what I've always 
this is what I've always believed. The true mark of horror, I believe. Like, true horror. Like, actual terror. It's not what we see that scares us. It's what we don't see. And what our minds run wild with. That's truly terrifying to me. Uh, That's truly terrifying to people. Like, if we hear something, but don't see it, if we get fragments of something, but never see the full picture, that just makes our mind, something about that just makes our minds run wild. We are, we are much more terrified of what we can imagine, yet can't see, than we are of what we can see. All of this is to say, this is one of the scariest moments in all French. Like, when you're hearing those cries in this hospital on the other end, a bunch of innocent people, like, crying out in pain, you get that one shot of the hand on the door, uh, on the window of the door, just, like, jumping up, like, clasping onto that window and then slowly sliding down a chunk of skin peels off and that's all you see of what actually happened and like you don't know like something happened something happened with that gas that had some effect on people but we don't know what it ended up looking like we don't know what actually ended up happening behind those doors and they never show us they never even tell us they just give us like these little bits and pieces these horrified screams these bone chilling shrieks of pain you see that one shot and that is it and everything else is left up to the imagination and it's it's the type of thing that can keep you up at night man it really really is Like, and then, basically, David Robert Jones says, All right, you're gonna let me out, or there'll be another one of those, and it'll be, like, way worse, man. Like, that was real bad, and none of you are gonna sleep tonight, but, man, that'll be nothing compared to the next one if you don't let me the hell out of here. And so they let him the hell out of there, with a tracker placed in his tea that he then drinks. So, he's gone. Everyone's tracking him down. Folivia, Lincoln, alternate Lincoln, everyone. And then there's this badass moment where David Robert Jones launches this phenomenal gambit. He hands out all this free money that all has his exact tracking signature on it. So, like, all these tracking points pop up on their radar. They can't track who David Robert Jones actually is. They can't pick David Robert Jones out from that crowd. By the way, it's heavily implied that alternate broils gave David Robert Jones the signature to use. Uh, He drinks this whatever. His tracking info just completely neutralizes itself. So even if they did figure out which blip was his, his blip was gone. And then he just casually gets away as alternate Royals just looks on and it's like, yeah, I I don't see him. I don't see him anywhere. Wow. He's, 
He's just gone. Wow. Wow. And then we go to another avenue. So we look at this hard drive info to look at all these basically like geological surveys uh, that David Robert Jones and his shapeshifters conducted. We look through all that info, look through all that info, look through all that info. And we find a quarry that holds a massive, massive amount of amphilocyte. Now, amphilocyte is what was powering that battery created by William Bell that David Robert Jones used to tear a hole in between universes and cross over originally. Uh, on its own, it is useless, but when processed power properly, it can be used as that power source. And there is a lot of it in this quarry. There is a lot of it down there. So David Robert Jones wants the Samphilocyte. And so they go to this quarry and they're like, yeah, we're ahead of him. We can secure this quarry before David Robert Jones. Uh, we, we outsmarted him this time. We can get him this time. And then Peter's like, hey, you need to, you need to block off this access road. And Folivia's like, what access road? There's no access road here. And then it becomes painfully clear that this quarry is in the other universe. And... <sighs> yeah. Turns out David Robert Jones outsmarted them. And so... Lincoln and Peter go back over to the other universe through the bridge this time. Uh, they and Olivia go to the quarry where David Robert Jones has already crossed over and is already getting a literal truckload of amphilocyte. Remember, a tiny like sliver of it powered this battery that literally ripped a hole between the universes. God only knows how much... Uh, that amphilocyte could be used for. God only knows what that amount of amphilocyte could be used for. So they're there. Uh, they arrive, have this shootout with some shapeshifters, uh, try to run down David Robert Jones. There is a very, 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 very close call where David Robert Jones uses his truck, crosses over into the other universe, and then... Olivia tries to follow him, and then Peter's like, no, no, it, you are going to have that portal closed on you, and if it closes while you're going through, it will kill you, uh, so she pumps the brakes and very narrowly avoids getting chopped in half, and David Robert Jones is gone, David Robert Jones is off in the ether. And then, like, the fringe divisions of both universes get together and are like, Hey, listen. We know who our enemy is now. They're threatening all of us. We have to work together to take this guy out. Peter has this great moment where it's just like, I'm the, I'm the one variable he didn't account for. I'm the one variable 
David Robert Jones didn't plan on. I'm the person who can help you stop him. I'm your edge against him. And he's basically making this commitment to just stay and fight while working to get back to his timeline, whatever the hell that looks like. And uh, we're good. We're all... We're we're full steam ahead on this David Robert Jones business. We're ready to take on David Robert Jones. Woo! While all of this is happening, uh, alternate confides in alternate Elizabeth that like, hey, listen, he says I can help him with this machine. I cannot. I I I I cannot help him with this machine. I don't get it at all. Uh, he needs his Walter to help him. Uh, I, I, I got nothing. And then alternate Elizabeth's like, you know what? I think I can handle this. And then she, like the badass mama bear that she is, goes over to our universe and sits down and talks with our Walter. And it's a wonderful moment. It is such a good scene. John Noble and uh, Orla Brady, I believe is her name. They have this wonderful moment together. Uh, Walter confides in her everything he's feeling about this. How he believes that he needs to be punished for what he did. Uh, Last time he tried to help a Peter, another version of his son. Like, he broke two universes. I shouldn't be allowed to help him. I shouldn't be allowed to... Uh, have this pleasure of having Peter back. Like, I shouldn't be allowed any of this. And Elizabeth's like, Hey, you came to my universe to save another version of your son, to save a little boy, and now that boy needs your help. Again, like, help him. Uh, And there's this wonderful cathartic moment when alternate Elizabeth just flat out says to Walter, I forgive you. I forgave you a long time ago. And just, like, this beautiful, cathartic, wonderful moment. Uh, definitely showing how massively different Alternate Elizabeth is from Walternate. Like, Alternate Elizabeth is not the kill this entire universe because this one man took my son type person that Walternate is. Like, she actually has compassion for the man who basically got her son killed. Like, she actually looks at Walter and sees the broken, well-intentioned, tortured man that Walter knit for so many years just flat-out refused to see. Like, this is just such a magnificent moment. Uh, And this results in Walter going to Peter and saying, look... I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you get back to your timeline. I'm going to help you get back to all those people you left behind. Like, everything going to be good. We'll figure it out. Uh, Also, Olivia gives Astrid a sample of the Observer's blood to run because she doesn't know what Observers are. Blah, 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 blah. And then we get this ending. Where David Robert Jones... In this little uh, little chat, in this little online chat, saying like, "Phase one's complete. Where are we at phase two? 
And the response? Working on it. She'll be ready soon. And who's on the other side of that? Nina. On the other side of that is Nina freaking Sharp, who we know, we know, has been breaking into Olivia's apartment at night and pumping her full of whatever the hell. So now we know that whatever's going on there, that is related to this David Robert Jones, shapeshifters, whatever the hell is happening, and Phil Sight, all of that. That is part of this larger plan. She is directly working for him. Which begs the question. What the hell's going on with Nina? Because like. They've definitely established that Nina's basically Olivia's foster mom in this universe. So is she every bit as evil as she was? Or rather way, 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 way more Evil than she was in the original timeline? Because I guess original timeline, she wasn't flat out evil. She was just a question mark. Is she, like, full-blown evil in this timeline? Has she been replaced by a shapeshifter? Is Nina a shapeshifter? Is Nina a shapeshifter? Like, God, there's so many... There's so many people who could be shapeshifters. Is Nina a shapeshifter? Is alternate broils a shapeshifter? Jesus, am I a shapeshifter? Oh no, I might be a shapeshifter. God, that's why I have IBS. There's a memory disc shoved up my rectum because I'm a shapeshifter. That's why. (laughs) Do all shapeshifters have IBS? (laughs) Is that a thing? There's so much going on with this season. We'll get into it. We will get into it. Just you wait. There is some stuff going on here. Uh, Yeah, great episode all around. Uh, If you like this, Favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcast or app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just a push of a button on the anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468. And support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark pledges a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to uh, the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that's the work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, On Monday, we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 10. Talk to you then.